welcome to Nourish. My name is Kasha, and I'm an entrepreneur, a longtime meditator, and a student of Chinese medicine. My mission with this podcast is to share the tools and practices to help you integrate your whole self into every aspect of your world. As someone who is both a type A high achiever and a deeply spiritual, vulnerable, and empathetic being, I know firsthand how it feels to be living a double life, showing up one way at work, a different way alone, and struggling to reconcile the two. This disintegration of authenticity is one of the biggest causes of burnout, health flares, and anxiety. For me, understanding how the mind-body connection is crucial to health and success, cultivating a strong sense of inner self, and applying the healing philosophies of Chinese medicine and Zen Buddhism to my life has allowed me to lead from a completely heart-powered place, letting go of other people's judgments and finding peace in allowing my multi-dimensional being to shine. My hope is that this podcast may inspire you to do the same. I want to call out. It is a practice, it is a journey, but I believe it is the most important thing that we can do for our bodies, minds, and our ultimate potential. Enjoy. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Nourish Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest for you all, Christopher Maher. Christopher is a former U.S. Navy SEAL who endured intense physical, mental, and emotional stress, both as a U.S. Navy SEAL and from childhood trauma. By combining a SEAL team mindset with modern stress resolution strategies, and by the way, I said resolution, not just reduction, Christopher taught himself to free his body, mind, and emotions from pain, tension, and emotional distortion. Christopher studied traditional Chinese medicine at the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and at Yosan University before continuing his studies at the Universal Healing Tao System. Now, today's episode is just so unbelievably inspiring. We dive into it all, from Christopher's journey as a Navy SEAL to moving into life as a civilian and what that transition looked like and what it was like to re-identify yourself in the world and really deconstruct a lot of who you have become to create a new sense of self and a new identity as a civilian. We talked about his journey of freeing his mind, the practices that enabled him to balance both striving with a sense of contentment and presence, and how that sense of trust in universal intelligence and in the universal path has allowed him to create beautiful things in this world and do so from a place that is, well, dare I say, fearless. I will say I needed to have this conversation today. As I mentioned earlier this month, I've been deeply looking for speakers who embody in their day-to-day a sense of presence and mindfulness off of the cushion and leaders who embody a sense of compassion for themselves while they're building their empire, whatever it may be. So if you are somebody who is struggling with any sorts of future-based fears around anxiety or emotional trauma from the past, if you are somebody who's going through a re-identification period of life or taking a lot of risks in your life, this episode is a must-listen for you. And now without further ado, let's welcome Christopher to the Nourish Podcast. Christopher, welcome to the Nourish Podcast. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me on. I was telling you right before we started recording that I am so excited to get into this because I truly feel like looking at your background, you embody yin and yang in one human being. And I find that to be absolutely fascinating to see like really both extremes of that in a sense, and we're going to get into it. But before I dive into all the questions that I have, I want to start with a question that I ask each and every guest, and that is, what are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Passionate, honest, and capable. Mm, 
Very solid words right there. And I guess I'm not surprised by some of those because you have a pretty incredible journey. And I'm going to read out a bit of it. You are a survivor of both childhood trauma and a survivor of the rigorous and mental physical experience of joining and operating as a U.S. Navy SEAL, which is the most elite military branch. Today, you fuse a background in Chinese medicine with your SEAL-style figure-it-out mindset. But before we dive into all of that, I want to start by, again, thanking you for your service. Thank you. I know I did this before the call. Don't thank me. I thank you. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. Truly. You know, I mean, you know, people's gratitude and look, the country we live in, we live here because we have had men and women who have sacrificed their lives and their time and their energy and their health and their mental and emotional wellness in order to create a space sort of um, relative to other places in the world, a utopia where people can wake up with an idea or passion and they can invest energy, time and effort and make that happen. And without that, people are stuck, right? You uh, go to Europe, whatever station you're born into in Europe, that's your station. Most people in South America, Central America, uh, whatever station you're born into, that's your station. Here, you can be born into one station and six years later be in a completely different station. And I like the lateral, I like the I like the upward movement that's possible here. And, you know, we get to live free in a certain way, right? Externally. Now I'm focused on people internally free. And now when you get the external and the internal, the yin and the yang, and the person's vibratory rate is very high in relationship to freedom, everywhere they go, they make freedom a greater possibility for every life that they touch. Mm. Right? Some people want to be the messenger, right? Mm -hmm. And then some people want to be the message. And me, I was looking at this and, you know, when you're connected in and I have what's called clear audience. And so I'm always hearing spirit speak to me. And I remember a very distinct day, source said to me, do you either want to be the message or you want to be the messenger? And God said, look, there's millions of messengers out there. I would prefer if you put all of your energy and effort into becoming the message. And I thought, Okay, that's quite a challenge. And yet I'm used to challenges, right? I'm one to sign up for the road less traveled or the more difficult path because I know that the rewards are always going to be greater. And look, we got one life, right? So do you want to experience great reward or do you want to experience a little bit of reward? And I want to experience the greatest amount of reward which is possible, which is the experience of unencumbered, consistent, persistent states of self love. Because I know traveling around the world, doing all the things that I've done, that the only true answer is love, but you can't get to love without freedom. Wherever you're stuck, your access to love is simultaneously limited by dysfunction, right? And, you know, what's a dysfunction? An inappropriate stress state that you've been locked into, that I was locked into as a child that you mentioned earlier about childhood trauma and after going through SEAL training and being in the SEAL teams in that environment, you know, my capacity to take on enormous amounts of stress was really, really high. And then once you engage in those patterns again and again and again, those patterns become a part of you and they get baked into your nervous system, into your muscles, into your fascia, into your organs, into your thought patterns, into your emotions, into the way you breathe, you move, you sleep. And then one day, the pendulum has gone as far as it can go to the left, or as far as it can go to the right. And then you have no choice except to go the other direction or leave the planet, right? Take some risk that's too great and lose your life. And I got to the edge and I had to make a choice. And my choice was, like I said earlier, the path that was more difficult. And I've always been like that. And so SEAL training, the SEAL teams, childhood trauma, and all the things that I've ventured into, the study of holistic medicine, the study of natural medicine, the creation and invention of new systems that penetrate into the weakest, most vulnerable, insecure aspects of myself and into the people that I help was necessary in order to come to a state of supreme clarity 
of what integration, personal development, and healing is all about. And I'm easily the world's foremost authority in five different categories. And I am that way because I put 100,000 hours of investigation and education and experience into this path. And so I'm happy to be here on your show because nourishing is what it's all about, right? Without nourishment, right? Without getting up at least a few days a week and getting your nervous system and your spine and your muscles and your organs into alignment without eating healthy food, without quality sleep, without a purpose, without passionate effort, without rich reward. What are you doing? What are we doing? Right? And so we're in this very unique time in society where people like you and people like me and people like the listeners of your your podcast are seeking to experience more so that they can be more. And be more what? Be more loving, be more kind, be more open, be more spacious, be more relevant, be more, be more safe, be more empowered, be more funny, be more decisive, be more clear, be more excited, be more righteous. And this is a time where we can do that because the amount of information that's out there is enormous. And even if you get on the internet and you shoot in the wrong direction, at least you're on the internet investigating, right? Because yes, I've created and manifested and projected into the world a system that answers the call, right? Does what it says and says what it does. And I curated that through consistent, persistent effort. And my, I guess the thing that I want to say to your listeners is, look, no need to follow the path that I created, right? Sometimes it's best to get out there and sample a few things and find out what's correct for you. What I will tell you, though, is there's no substitute for the removal of tension. There's no substitute for the diminishment of stress. And there's no substitute for the unraveling of distortion. And so, look, I'm into people who are sipping green juice and wearing yoga pants and saying namaste. I get it, right? There's an identity there's an image. And, you know, when I first got into this path and I started getting well emotionally, when I started getting mentally well, when I started getting physically well, when I started getting spiritually well and moving into a greater state of coherence and congruence, I dropped into what you would call some spiritual arrogance. I would see people drinking beer or wine or smoking weed or eating cake full of sugar and pounding on caffeine and I certainly was in that position of like, what the hell are they doing? And then, you know, as you shed those kinds of things for yourself, and as long as you have some help, then guess what happens? You create more spaciousness. And I realized the reason why people are in such locked into such an inappropriate stress state where they use or addicted to the daily acceptable drugs that are there, the nicotines, the caffeines, the alcohols, the marijuanas, the pharmaceutical drugs, the preservatives. The Instagram. The Instagram. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, I, the reason why they're addicted to those things is really simple. They don't feel safe, right? Because if you feel safe, meaning if you were raised in an environment as a child and your parents had firm yet soft boundaries, and they realize that a child doesn't understand context, no parent would be punishing a child ever. They would only be educating children. And so I've been at this for a very long time. And I have adults who come to see me, some of the most successful people in the world in every single industry, right? Sports, music, politics, to name a few industries. And guess what? It always comes back to their environment. Always that nature versus nurture. No, nature and nurture equally. Like what are the genetics? What were the epigenetics? What were the, what are the 14 generations before me? What were their limiting beliefs? How were they being treated? And when you have intense amounts of generational trauma, and what I mean by generational trauma is imagine what it was like for the peasants who stepped onto the foot of the Americas Think what it was like for the peasants, how horrible the conditions were in their home countries, that they were willing to get on a wooden boat and travel thousands of miles 
with no idea if they would ever make it to that soil. And you go back and you look at America and you think, well, what's, what's America made up of? America's made up of peasant stock, okay? The royals, why would they leave the place where they were? They had all the leverage, right? Why would the English come over here and make camp? Why would the French come over, the, the rich and the wealthy, right? They were already secure where they were. They already had positional leverage, right? They already had all the resources that they need and they had all the land that they needed. And so now you have all these people coming over here that were severely traumatized. And then they come here to the US and what do they do? They take the people who are living here and they traumatize them rather than nurture them, right? The people that nourished them when they got here, they started to receive love and kindness from native people. But when you first start to receive love and you first start to receive kindness, what does it bring up? It brings up everything that's not love. It brings, every, it brings up everything that's unkind. And so again, we're in this really powerful position right now where we have you know millions of podcasters all over the world that are putting people on their shows because they have things that they believe in and they want to leave the world in a better place. And they know that knowledge and information and passion and commitment and consistency with information that allows their listeners to make better decisions, to produce a better life, is a win, 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 win for everybody. And so I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk with you and to share. And it's important, you know, get on your news feed, right? What's on your news feed? This politician's going to prison and doing this. This football player did that. This baseball player's doing this. And as you start reading these stories, you're like, oh, these are the same stories that were being run five years ago, right? It's the same message. And what choices do your listeners and the listeners of other podcasts have? They have the opportunity to choose where they put their attention. And they can put their attention into a show like yours. And they can be elevating their vibratory rate and getting opportunities, the pathways that will help nourish their bodies, nourish their minds, nourish their energies, nourish their stomachs, and build a better life for themselves. So I want to say thank you for what you're doing. It's important. I want to say thank you to the listeners for listening, because it's important what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Well, we could just wrap it right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Truly, I feel like you hit on so many things. I'm just like taking notes on things I, I would love to follow up on. And But before we even dive into that, and I appreciate you sharing also your gratitude for the listeners and their choice to tune in and start to reimagine really a kinder world, like a heartfelt, driven from the heart type of place, which starts with choices and leadership. And I think that, you know, the choices that we make as leaders in the world can influence that. And I love that you touched on that. But I will also call out that I'm very aware that people tune into this podcast from very different places in their lives. And what you are saying resonates so deeply with me. And it's something that I can almost like palpably reach out and touch. But for people who feel so far from that, where they're like, okay, that sounds so great, but like I I I hear it. It sounds like the kind of direction I'd like to go in, but it feels so unreachable. I would love for you to share some context with the audience about your journey of going from First of all, start by maybe sharing with the audience just a high-level overview of what exactly does it entail to be a Navy SEAL so people can understand as you're talking about generational trauma, just even imagining the trauma that you've been through in your own life, like childhood and then adulthood, like just to frame a picture, like what was that journey like? Like what does it take to become a Navy SEAL? And then how did you transition from that to the type of person who is sitting here before me and speaking these beautiful words and coming from such a different perspective than I'm certain of the the trauma that you witnessed. So start with, I guess, sharing a little bit of context on what is it to be a Navy SEAL? And then I'd love to dive into the rest. I think for each guy that goes through SEAL training in the SEAL teams, their motivation is a bit different. And, you know, when I was in the SEAL teams, I was always asking guys like, "Why why did you want to be a Navy SEAL? And some guys, they wanted to play with guns and explosives. Other guys, they wanted to jump out of planes. Other guys wanted a challenge. Other guys wanted an opportunity to go to war. 
And that helped me get clear that everyone has a different motivation. And so the thing that it, that is required in order to move through SEAL training and to get into the SEAL teams is a consistent sense of self-worth. Because if you believe that you're worthy of the things that you want to experience, you'll continue to show up no matter how difficult things feel or things become or how long and arduous the challenge is in front of you. And each day that you stay in SEAL training and you take a step forward, you build a little more esteem. And some guys in the SEAL teams, they're a lot bigger than I was, like physically, physiologically. They had some more body fat. So for me, my experience of SEAL training was cold, right? Because the water temp is cold. You know, everything that we're, most things that we're doing are in the water, outside of the classroom. They're always making you uncomfortable. And you get to a point in SEAL training where you realize it's only about your effort, right? Like, am I going to show up today? Because they, their job is to heap mountains of stress on you every single day and remind you that the only easy day was yesterday by making the day a little bit more difficult. And, you know, the thing is, is when you have that experience, when you leave a place like SEAL training and SEAL teams, you're looking for a challenge every day, right? And how do you, how do you unwind out of a mindset like that? How do you unwind out of a body that's now been hardwired and indoctrinated into respond a certain way, right? So then you're always looking for externally, you're always looking for what's that next bit of stress that I can pile on to myself. And, you know, SEAL training is, um, it's painful and uncomfortable and stressful and then really rewarding and amplifying. Like when Friday hits and you go back to the barracks, you're, you're feeling good about yourself. Okay. And then the next week, you're feeling better about yourself because guess what? You're getting stronger. You're getting faster. You're getting leaner. You're getting more present mentally. The instructor staff, you know, their job is to find your Achilles heel. What is your weakness? And then it's up to the instructors as a group to pour on the heat in that place to see if you're going to break. Because what they need to know, the, the instructor staff, the SEAL training is, is this guy going to make a good decision? when he's cold, wet, and miserable. It's easy to make a good decision when you're sitting on your couch and everything's comfortable and wonderful. What kind of decision are you going to make when you're miserable, wet, cold, and hungry? You're going to make a decision that's all about you, or you're going to make a decision that's about the team, right? And, you know, the instructor staff, when you're going through SEAL training, they have a moniker that they are constantly projecting into the field around you, which says there is no I in team. Of course, there's clever thinkers like me that are like, yeah, but there's an M and an E. Like, so I can laugh in my head, right? Oh my I'm gonna not, I wasn't going to say that out loud. Yeah, but there's an M and an E. That would draw too much attention, right? Of the kind of attention that you really don't want. And I think really instructor staff, all they really want to know is this guy going to put out. And what that means is he's going to be able to put in the kind of effort that allows him to complete the task and never bitch, moan, or complain. And that's the thing about SEAL training. I don't ever remember, and the SEAL teams, I don't ever remember anybody bitching and moaning and complaining about working hard. And so when I got out of the SEAL training and the SEAL teams, and I would see people whining and bitching and moaning, I couldn't understand and or relate. And it put me in a very arrogant position because once you're hardwired for that kind of success, meaning when a man knows that Anything he wants to achieve or experience is possible, and he knows that down to the depth of his bones. You can never alter that man from knowing himself. And so the benefit of that experience is when I got my certificate, my diploma, when I walked across that stage, I knew for sure I had completed successfully a rite of passage. And I think a rite of passage is important for the masculine aspect of someone's being, whether they're male and or female. And I knew that no one was ever going to decide how I was going to live my life. And so, yeah, it dropped me into a bit of heresy, right? Because I was never going to go along with something that didn't make sense to me and didn't feel right to me. And after I left the SEAL teams, 
and dropped back into being a civilian, you know, that's when the real work started. Because look, it's easy to put in tension. It's super easy to put in stress. It's easy to put in distortion. I mean, anyone can do it, right? But to have the patience and the diligence to remove all that pain, to remove all that discomfort, to remove all that distortion, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Now that's a commitment. Somebody read my book and, you know, they commented on, they were like, what are you talking about? You know, SEAL training was easy. What I meant when I said that, it was easy in the sense that all I had to do was show up and complete the day, right? That's it. Show up in the morning and complete the day. When you're on your own and you don't have a team of people behind you and you've got back pain and neck pain and hip pain and wrist pain and foot pain, you've got you're battling high levels of insomnia, you've got a um, swollen prostate, you've got vision issues, hearing issues. No one's knocking on your door to wake you up in the morning and go, hey, all right, it's time to muster. It's time to gather the class together. You've got to get up and do that on your own, right? Which means that you got to love yourself enough. You got to care about yourself enough in order to be able to answer the bell every single day. And the benefit for me going through SEAL training and the SEAL teams, it allowed me to use that level of discipline to then pull my body back together, to unwind and unravel the distortion, to diminish the stress, to strengthen my inner and outer self-esteem, right? Outer self-esteem is easy when you're focused on the outer world, right? Inner self-esteem is difficult, when you're focused on the outer world, because inner self-esteem can only be built by what you're doing for yourself. What you do for others is outer self-esteem. That's a masculine version of esteem, right? Loving others is a masculine version of love. Loving self, right? Building esteem for self, that's a feminine version, right? Because that's the inside of you. And so putting all of that into perspective and then deciding to use all my time, all my effort, all my energy, one, to investigate and understand, but to commit myself to a mission and a vision that was bigger than me, that I know that I knew in the end would help the planet. Now that was something much greater than I could ever gotten or become from going through something like SEAL training and SEAL teams. You know, they gave me some tools that I needed to do something that was much bigger and much more important and much more valuable. There's so much there. I mean, I know that the training program is some of the most difficult training, if not the most difficult training in the world, physically and mentally speaking. And And spiritually, because, you know, and spiritually in the sense that guys in, you know, the instructor staff, there's a certain ethic in the SEAL teams, right? There are certain principles in the SEAL teams. There's certain value system in the SEAL teams. There's a certain moral system in the SEAL teams. And they start indoctrinating you into that mindset from the very beginning. Mm. It's very interesting to hear you kind of speaking about this experience from a place of such, as you describe it, like inner freedom, inner peace. Because what I hear you describing is a lot of hardcore wiring from like physical ability, mental ability, spiritual kind of indoctrination as you're describing it. Can you walk us through the process of what it was like to leave and then redefine who you are, right? Because a lot of people have you know, there's obviously the fear of the unknown that, you know, a lot of people have anxieties and fears. A lot of it is worries about the futures and and things that we don't know. But I can only, I mean, I can't frankly imagine what it must be like to go from this intense experience, this team experience to then, as you described it, being alone, but also not just being alone with these incredible achievements, but being part of a society that is living on a completely different plane. And then, learning to unwind some of that. Can you walk us through the process of that shift in identity and and what that was like for you? I think it'll be really inspiring for folks who are trying anything new. This is a very great perspective. In terms of identity, I mean, imagine you're going from elite to mediocrity, 
right? You're going from elite to mediocrity. Ooh. Wow. And guys in a SEAL team, here's the thing about being a Navy SEAL. We get the job done, right? It doesn't matter what you task us with. We're going to get the job done and we don't need a lot of guys to do it, right? We only need a handful of men and we can achieve the impossible. Now you drop out of that environment into mediocrity, right? People are feeling sorry for themselves. People lack a lot of inner self-esteem, a lot of outer, their outer self-esteem is low. They're focused on complaining. They're focused on excuses. In the SEAL teams, there were no excuses, right? You either got the job done or you didn't. And if you didn't, it could move beyond a conversation into an ass whooping, okay? Uh, because guess why? When you work or you're in an environment and you're training and people could lose their lives, it's a very different mindset. Like if I go to work and I'm an accountant and I got a few numbers wrong, no one's going to die, right? If I go to work and I'm at Starbucks and you know I put too much coffee in the cup and I spilled a little on my hand, yeah, I might get a little burn, but no one's going to die, right? If I slept in too long and I didn't get to class on time, no one's going to die. Okay. But in the SEAL teams, you wake up every morning and everything that you're doing, if your mind is drifting, if your attention is drifting, if your spirit is drifting, you're absent. And when you're absent, you create problems. And so here I go from full on focus right? And being around men who are focused and present and, and locked in to people who are absent-minded and not present and weak. They've avoided challenges in life. And so how do you drop from elite to mediocrity and then get yourself to a place where you can coexist, right? I can maintain this high level of performance and dedication and devotion to myself and love everyone else equally and create enough space inside of myself to recognize that, hey, guess what? The average Joe or Jane is uninterested in pushing the envelope. And yet that doesn't make them any less. And it doesn't make you any more because you want to push the envelope. And that was a huge shedding, right? I had to shed a lot of a lot of my ideas, but I had to open the space in my heart more, right? To Take the time to understand, take the time to accept, take the time to forgive, create more conditions and opportunities to be loving and kind and generous. In a lot of ways, it was difficult, but also in another way, it was easy because you don't have the pressure of the team. Any pressure that's going to be applied is solely coming from the inside rather than the outside. In the SEAL teams and SEAL training, there's pressure from the external. And I guess the road and the pathway for me was to put that in balance, right? How could I feel enough pressure from society to want to be a, a contributing citizen who is um, communal focused and family focused, but individual focused? And then, you know, how could I be independent and put my own pressures on myself. And as I started to remove massive amounts of tension and stress and distortion from my body, all of that came into a natural alignment without me having to focus on it. Because what I realized very quickly as I got on this path is the more tension and stress I removed, the more spacious I became, but also simultaneously, the more devoted I became to others who were suffering from childhood traumas or growing up in environments that were beyond their capacity to process and or understand. And it gave me a place where I could serve, right? So my dedication towards education of healing and in integration became my vocation. Mm, beautifully said, beautifully said. Okay. And once you get to that place, and remember, these, these were all steps. This is... Um, I'm making it sound very easy, right? Like, oh, it just happened. What happened is I got up in the morning and I put a little tension. I mean, I put a little attention on removing some tension so that I could be more present. And as I got to witness myself relating in a different way, 
emoting different types of emotions, becoming more emotionally responsible, watching myself become more articulate, watching myself become more patient, more spacious, more clear, more direct, more honest, more open, more willing to go into confrontation for the benefit of someone rather than going into confrontation to diminish them, right? And um, it's been a fun journey and it's been rewarding in every single way. It's I could tell you it's the only path that I've ever been on and I call it the true body intelligence path where there is no half step back. There are no half step back. In the path that I created, there are no half steps back. There's only a step forward and a, another step forward and a, another step forward. And a beautiful thing is with the work that's been developed and the way that it's done, every week it increases your physical intelligence, your analytical intelligence, your somatic intelligence, your spiritual intelligence, your emotional intelligence, I mean, your environmental, everything continues to get more intelligent. Your familial intelligence, your communal intelligence. And for me, I've always wanted to experience the greatest states of love possible. And so I'm always going to be pushing that envelope. I mean, until the day that I pass, trust me, I will be getting up and doing something very rewarding and powerful that helps me grow that day. And even right before I take my last breath, I will be thinking powerful, beautiful thoughts and intending, you know, setting powerful intent of what I want to experience as a spirit once I exit my body. So for me, this is who I am. Right, through and through, top to bottom, back to front, into out. So I actually want to dive into that topic because I think you brought something up that's very fascinating and interesting because I'm hearing a blend of both open-heartedness and acceptance, even in the context of, you know, you've been through intense suffering and now you're integrating into this world where it's almost difficult to relate to people who haven't gone through that there's that level of acceptance. And yet I also hear quite a bit of contentment, it sounds like, peace in that. And also an element of continual, I don't know if it's striving, but like a moving forward action in that, right? And I don't know what the right word is because, you know, in, for example, Zen Buddhism, right? There's this there's this very famous saying by a uh, Zen Buddhist monk, Suzuki Roshi, which is, you are perfect just the way you are, and you could use a little improvement, which I find it to be such an incredible quote, really in relation not just to self-improvement, but to how we can approach our lives. And so I'm curious, how has that kind of striving shifted for you? Has it, as you kind of approach now this new career path, this new kind of intention that you're setting in the world, like how do you balance an element of contentment with also ambition and striving? Or are those even inappropriate words to describe the way that you're living your life now? Um, I would love to get your thoughts on that because working as a Navy SEAL requires an element of like high achievement, ambition, and really going after the goal at all costs. But in the world that you live in now, especially integrated into the world of Chinese medicine, which is rooted in balance and a sense of homeostasis and almost a bit more flow, like how do you balance the two, the kind of flow with a sense of striving? Or what, what words would you even use? The words for me are commitment. And what I teach and what I embody is a little bit every day, right? In the beginning of the path, I mean, one, one, one of my buddies said to me, who was the first person to really help me, he was a guy that was in the SEALs teams that got out and started to develop himself. He said, look, man, when you get into this, you know, the first year, you might have to get after it six to seven hours a day, but you want to get yourself to a place where the amount of change that you're creating in 10 minutes is equal to what took you seven hours before, right? And so let's say, let me break that down for the, for the listener. Let's say the first year of developing yourself, you committed seven hours, okay? And that created some powerful change for you. You committed seven hours a day. For the day? Seven the hours day. a day. Okay, right? yeah. Okay. And then the next year, you committed six hours. The next year, 
it only takes you five hours to get what you, it only takes you five hours of commitment, energy, and devotion to produce the same result the third year with five hours. And the next year, it only takes four hours. Next year, it only takes three hours. Next year, it only takes two hours. I'm on year 25. It takes me 10 minutes to produce the same profound result that took me seven hours in the very beginning. And so is my commitment and my devotion the same? Yes. But the amount of energy and effort and time that I have to put in is severely reduced. So 10 minutes measured up against seven hours, right? And so I now create exponential change. And when we're talking change, are you reflecting on your spiritual path, your mental state, the way that you maintain homeostasis? Like what are we referring to as we kind of talk about change? Has that also maybe evolved or changed for lack (laughs) of a better word over these past 20, 25 years, right? Yeah, all of it, right? So with 10 minutes, I can create the same amount of palpable change mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, nutritionally, energetically, that took me seven hours in the beginning. So I came to this path with a body that was full of pain, right? So, you know, the the pathway from seal to sage was through pain, was through discomfort, was through loss of or reduction of the function of my sense organs, or physiological discomfort, right? And so I haven't had that kind of pain in my body since then, right? So I came to the path full of pain, and now I've had 25 years of no discomfort. And I've gone from pure pain to pure pleasure. And when you're in pleasure, 10 minutes is the, produces the same amount of change as what seven hours produces when you're in pure pain. So pure pain, seven hours, pure pleasure, I only need 10 minutes to produce the same amount of result, right? And I've always been a very result-oriented person. And I'm self-aware, so I'm always tracking what's going on. I know when I'm mentally absent. I know when I'm distracted. I know when when I've had a poor night's sleep. You know, I'm aware of these things, and I understand the impact of them. But it only takes me 10 minutes of effort to put it back into homeostasis. I mean, high-level homeostasis, where I'm creating new things every single day. Every single day, we're creating new things, new ways of thinking, new ways of moving, new ways of breathing. Everything continues to evolve because of the the level of consistency and the amount of time that's been put into it, but also the efficacy of the work. So I'm definitely hearing, and I'm almost seeing like a visual of like, you know, as you kind of come out of it and you started on this path of physical, spiritual, mental healing from all that you've been through, it's like there's this like upward trend until you get to a point where it actually slopes down on the other side in terms of the intention stays consistent, but perhaps the time and the level of energy that's required shifts at a certain point. And yet the trajectory maintains the same. So it's still, yeah, of course. So like yeah, the level yeah. of effort perhaps is like increased at the beginning and then that goes down over time while of course the progress curve continues to go up. And I, I think that's beautifully said. I'd love to get your thoughts though on, you mentioned maintaining a state of presence. And I feel like that can sometimes be almost at odds with the state of being results oriented. And so I would love to get your thoughts on that because I feel like in our society, especially today, there is this incessant pull towards focusing just on the product. But as you kind of eloquently stated, like it's actually the process got you to where you are today and it's kind of an ever moving journey. And so what is your perspective now, right? After going from a place of, you know, you're striving for the achievements of that of a Navy SEAL, those are very tangible to now being on, you know, a path that requires a lot of presence that you've brought into your life. So how do you balance 
presence with that results-oriented nature. And especially like, where does compassion fit into that, right? And by the way, this is a, I ask for myself, but also for my audience who I know would describe themselves a lot of the time as like mindful type A's, right? So going after the goal, being results-oriented, but then also how do you fit in a bit of self-compassion or like elements of presence? Like how do you balance those two? And I think that's something that you know, Chinese medicine and that theme of balance eloquently starts to bring up in terms of healing. So what is your point of view on it? Uh, where I've arrived is presence is when your presence is present, the goals are irrelevant. When your presence is present, the goals are irrelevant. Why? Because see, goals, when they're external, they're fleeting. They move constantly. But when your goals are internal, your focus is on being versus doing. Being, am I being more kind? Am I being more compassionate? I'm being more happy. Am I being more loving? Am I being that way with myself and others? And the only way to activate and elevate your presence is to focus on the internal, meaning doing things in the beginning that allow your chi, your energy, your consciousness, your shen, your spirit to flow unencumbered. So that the intel, the inherent intelligence that's already inside of you can begin to unify between all of your organ systems, all of your meridians and all of your muscles to pull you into what you would call an amalgamated being. When you're in an amalgamated state of expression, that means that your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual have unified into one. And when they unify into one, you're operating from presence rather than goals. And so you're clear on mission and how you're going to show up. And in the beginning, when I started working with people, I always had a plan. Okay, this guy's coming to me because he's like, ah, uh, you know, my knee's stiff again. You know, can can we meet? And da da da. And he might be like an NFL kicker. That's uh, a Chiefs kicker, right? And he shows up. Okay, I got this back stiffness. Can you help me there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I always had a plan. And then one day. Spirit said to me, and again, I'm Claire Audient, said to me, listen, you're no longer in the driver's seat. You're in the passenger seat, and their intent is the driver, and you simply do what I tell you. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I did all this study. I did all this hard work. I understand the mechanics of how all this happens. And God just said, yeah, sit back and let me show, show you how it's really done. And I was like, cool. So I sat back and I would wait. They would arrive and they would sit down and we would start having a conversation and then the information would start coming in. And of course, in the beginning, I would argue, well, let's do this instead. I got this plan here, right? And every time it was the slow road and I decided I was going to surrender to something much more profound in myself. I was going to surrender to my presence and then my presence helped me become more present and be in the now. And everything evolved away from goals into what do I want from this moment? Because I realized that the moment is the master. And my job was to never give any more or any less than what the moment was asking for. And now I get to be a co-creator with God. So do I want to be this isolated agent for change or do I want to be a co-creator with God? Being a co-creator with God is way cooler. Like it's so much faster. It's so much easier. Then I don't have to be goal-oriented. I only have to serve relative to what I am being offered the opportunity to do. That's it. I'm in service. So this is what the moment wants. Great. Oh, hey, we're turning left. What? We're turning left? Okay, let's let, let's go left. And so I had to continue to surrender my ego to be in direct alignment and to unify my energy with the presence of God. I had kind of a thought come in as you were saying that, which I find so fascinating. And I would love to see if this relates to what you just said, but like, let's just look at somebody or the Navy SEALs as an incredible elite group of the military, so capable, so talented. And obviously there are all of the, you know, physical traumas associated with serving in such a capacity. But you did mention early on in this conversation that there was an element of being acutely present, right? Yeah. And being acutely present day by day, just focusing on in the moment, 
how to get through the day, the moment, and look at where that brought you. I just had this kind of epiphany and I see you're nodding your head, but it's almost like there's this element of focusing on the present doesn't mean that there's like necessarily a trade-off of moving forward either, right? I don't know. I don't know if no. that was like a good analogy, no, no, but no, it's just no. actually it, exceptional to see that, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, if you if you step back for a moment in, in your life and you analyze the playing field, you will come to the conclusion after you have one synchronistic experience that you're not in charge. And when you realize that you're simply a drop of water that's part of an enormous ocean full of drops of water, you can let go. You can let go and be in alignment with the moment. And when you have the confidence to listen to the moment and let it be the master, guess what? The moment gives you confirmation that the choice that you made was the correct choice because the result matches the intent of what was desired. And when you have that again and again and again, like I have, I have days where I have 15 synchronicities a day, right? Synchronicity is ever present. It's always going on. If you slow down enough to get in the passenger seat and let God be in the, in, in the driver's seat or source or spirit or however you want to frame it, right? Supreme prime creation. When you are in union with something that's bigger than you and you have a realization that it's a wonderful opportunity to serve, you're uninterested in getting too far ahead. You're uninterested in getting too far ahead because what takes people outside of themselves is fear, right? Fear generates, what does fear do, right? Fear transforms excitement into anxiety. It transforms hate and anger right? It transforms love into hate and anger. It transforms righteous behavior into self-righteous positions. And it transforms confidence and knowingness and clarity of mind into confusion and fear. So what would the prudent thing to do? What, what would be the prudent thing to do in that moment? It would be, oh, I get it. You mean all I have to do is reduce my fears by diminishing my lifetime accumulated stress load so that I could be present with the presence and that's all I have to do and everything works out perfectly, meaning that I shift from struggle and strife path into the path of ease and grace. Me, I want ease and grace. I already struggled. I signed up for struggle. I volunteered for struggle. Struggle took me so far. And the challenge is, yes, there's a benefit of discomfort and pain and there's a trade-off. Right? The trade off is you still have the discomfort and pain. So, what's the opposite to that? Ease and grace. Well, we have the masculine version of self, we have the feminine version of self. If you could grow and learn the same lessons and it took you 10 seconds versus 10 years, is there any more benefit to the 10 years? No, because a lesson is a lesson. And so if you learn it in 10 seconds, guess what that does? That gets you to the next lesson sooner. That gets you to the next opportunity for growth sooner. So why would I want to struggle right, any longer than I had to by continuing to implement right, and project my fears into the world around me when the opposite is available to me? And the opposite is to be confident and to be connected. And the question is, how do, how do I do that effectively enough year after year to where I can get to a state of supreme clarity, consistent states of loving kindness, have a supreme quiet mind, have very grounded emotions? How do I do that? I put in a little time every day and a little effort, and that's where I stay. That's where I sit. And when you're sitting in that position, your vision of reality changes because now you're looking at the map of the world from above rather than down from this very tiny view and everything is to your left and your right and you can't see what's going you can't see the bigger picture it's important to understand the bigger picture it's important to be able to see how the past is connected to the present and how if i maintain this state of presence how that could impact my future well how do i get there consistently enough well you have to 
put in a little time every day and a little energy and a little effort and every day, guess what? You evolve a little more and you pick up a little more momentum and you evolve a little more and you pick up a little more momentum and you evolve a little more. And now, now you're taking bigger risk, right? Because mm, you trust and more. And I'm taking it because you trust more. And who do you trust more? You trust the universe more. You trust the galaxy more. You trust the solar system more. You trust Mother Earth more. You trust that everything that's in front of you is meant to be there. And now I'm no longer competing with God because I'm seeing things for what they are. I'm adding nothing and taking nothing away. I'm simply being present with the presence and trusting that everything will work out because I have had 10,000 confirmations that something bigger than me is in charge. And if I get an impulse in my stomach, like, hey, I think you should travel to Brazil and go to this opportunity to educate yourself for this three-week course, I'm going to go because I can now trust my impulses because I know that those impulses have always been and we're always there to my benefit, as long as it's in alignment with my ethics, my morals, my values, and my principles, are the things that I'm taking into my body, are the things that I'm taking into my energy, are the things that I'm taking into my mind, are they whole or are they fragmented? Well, if I reduce the fragmentation and I bring in things that are more whole, guess what happens? I begin to mend my mind. I begin to mend my emotions and I become what? Mentally and emotionally well. I do the same thing for my body. I start to become structurally and physiologically well. I do the same thing for my spirit. I start to become energetically and spiritually well. And if I do the opposite, guess what happens? I become unwell. And that's where it comes back to two plus two equals four and four plus four equals eight. No one is trying to trick anyone. Either you're coherent or you're incoherent. Are you investing time, energy, resources, and effort into becoming more coherent or more incoherent? And if your focus is on being incoherent, live with the results until you can no longer stand feeling anxious, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, feeling agitated, feeling fearful, feeling self-righteous. What are you going to do? You got a choice. I'm going to focus on finding somebody who can help me, who can direct me, who can love me, who can give me affection, who can give me care so that I can do what? I can evolve into having a supreme union and connection to my presence. And when I'm operating from my presence, everything is easy. All I have to do is spend 10 minutes a day focused on opening my body and dealing with the lifetime, dealing with the daily accumulated stress from the day before. And now I maintain a state of neutrality. And again, in neutrality, I add nothing. I take nothing away. I see things for what they are, which means I'm out of competition with God. Mm. Ah. And I'm in alignment with the presence. Yeah. But how do I get there? Right. That's the pathway from seal to sage. Right? Yeah. And there's no substitute for the pathway that I'm explaining to you. You're either doing things that make you more coherent or you're doing things that make you incoherent. And I was doing a ton of things that made me incoherent and I was living with the results of those. Yeah. Till I could no longer deal with the pain in my body. I had to bend the knee, reach out my hand and say, Hey, I'm imperfect. I need help. Can you help me? Meaning I had to drop into a state of inner honesty deep enough that I could become vulnerable enough to reach out and admit that I'm hurting. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautifully said. And Christopher, I could speak with you for hours, but we are actually over time. <laughs> and so I want to be mindful of your time and thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your beautiful story, for sharing your incredible perspective. I know that I feel so inspired hearing it. This is ironically the second time this week that I have heard a story from a wizened human <laughs> on the topic of trust. And I think it is uh, a beautiful synchronicity to be experiencing that personally. And I know that 
the listeners are going to be tuning in at the right time receiving this message. Before we wrap, if you could just share, where can people find you, your book, and any information that you want to share with the audience? I'm going to hyperlink everything below, but just a quick shout out. And if you have anything in particular that you want to share that's coming up, please do as well. The easiest way to find me is at truebodyintelligence.com. If you want to get a hold of me, you email Christina Lynch at support at truebodyintelligence.com. She'll get back to you with a one sheet. And there's a pathway there. You know, listen to the book. The book is on my website, okay, truebodyintelligence.com. The name of the book is Free for Life, a U.S. Navy SEAL's Path to Inner Freedom and Outer Peace. I put music there. So there's an album called Heart and Soul. So you can start to tune in. I'm redoing the website, but there's enough information there for you to learn a bit. I wrote some blogs that I think are powerful and important and start to understand that the stress that you have in your life that goes unresolved creates more incoherence and makes it much more difficult for you to live a full life. And there's no substitute for what I'm teaching you. That's what I want you to understand. Meditation is not a substitute. Yoga, it's not a substitute. You need powerful tools that allow you to leverage all of your force to shift you out of a path of struggle and strife into a path of ease and grace. And you can start to learn how to do some of that at truebodyintelligence.com. Thank you so much, Christopher. It's been a pleasure. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for being a gracious host and giving me the space to share and uh, to open up and asking such good questions to help the listener. So thank you listeners for taking the time of your day to listen to what we co-created together. I hope it was impactful for you. Thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Nourish. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a review. Five-star reviews help the podcast grow. And I'm so grateful for that. I publish new episodes twice a month. So hit the subscribe button to be notified. And if you want to stay connected in between episodes, join my community on Instagram and TikTok at nourish underscore podcast. All right. That's all I got for you today. See you next time.